Hey, everybody. It's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. Yay. I give a shit about you. I don't know what I can do. Um, but you can write me and I'll help you. I'm here for you. So anyway, besides um, Brill Cream, um, a little dabble do you as our sponsor today. I also want to make sure that you know about... Um, our fundraiser and season one wrap party, which I am very, very, very excited about. I've invited all the guests, previous guests who've been on my show to come. So uh, it could be quite a crowd, quite a crazy, there could be a big bar fight, I think. (laughs) I'm not sure. I hope they have bouncers. They usually do. Okay, we'll be fine. Anyway, Um, So I'm going to read – I'm actually going to just read what what I've been – I'm going to do what I was asked to do here by by note. Uh, It says, host, please read on mic. Thanks for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. If you like what you're hearing, please consider supporting us. This is not going well. Support – come to the fucking rap party. It's season one party and fundraiser, and it's Friday, October 23rd at 8 p.m. at – Honest to God, my favorite bar. I think I was there every night this week so far. Seriously. Pine Box Rock Shop, 12 Grattan Street in Bushwick, right next to the Morgan L Stop. And, yeah, you can usually find me passed out in front of there most uh, mornings around 1 a.m. The event will be emceed by Gabriel St. Evanson, the host of Radio Free Brooklyn's Electric Year. And it also features performances by Doll Parts, which is Brooklyn's premier Dolly Parton tribute band. Woo! Singer-songwriter Mississippi Cotton. Burlesque by Miss Legs Malone. She's really hot. I've met her. DJ sets by Radio Free Brooklyn hosts. And a special screening of Lofty Dreams, a new Bushwick-based web series. Awesome. There'll be also prizes, raffles, and swag giveaways and the first 25 people to arrive will as- will receive a special free gift. I just keep thinking blowjob for me. I can't help it. That's a joke. I'm kidding. Um, admission is pay what you wish, but um, any amount will help us keep Radio Free Brooklyn, you know, on the air. This costs money to operate this shit. Once again, that's Friday, October 23rd at 8 p.m. at Pine Box Rock Shop in Brooklyn. See you there. Um, So anyway, I want to tell you about my guest that I have today. This is actually one of my closest friends, I think. Is that okay if I say that? This is David Kramer. You could say that. That's okay. Yeah, we've known each other. That's okay. Um, you're supposed to say, oh, yes. Uh, yeah, of course. There we go way back. We do go way back. And actually, I uh, met David's work before I met him, which was, I don't know, in the 90s somewhere. And I was like, wow, this, who's, this is fucking incredible work. It was just really simply writing, literally pen and ink, pen, you know, ballpoint pen writing on yellow lined paper. And I was totally blown away by it. And uh, over the years... Uh, we've gotten to know, you know, we've gotten to hang out and really become friends. We've, uh, you know, actually maybe been in a show or two together and done a little, I hosted, uh, a, a, a wine, W H I W anyway, 
Fuck it. Oh, I've also you mean had, a, yeah the wine remember tasting. Remember the wine tasting. Oh, yes, sure. And then I also had a. I'm also like gotten pretty close to David's kid. Somewhat close to David's kid. He was on here a few weeks ago. He was your intern. My intern for the summer, and yeah, I'm, I'm involved still, with the whole I, his wife, s- Susan, the whole family. I'm still. Uh, you know, angry at you because Martin was on the show before I was, so... Yeah, that's just bullshit. <laughs> He's trying to get, get you on his side. I see right through that, David Kramer. So anyway, David is a um, wildly talented and extremely successful, well-respected artist. Um, he's just in from Europe, and he'll only be... He's, so, David, tell us, like, really... Okay, David's career is stellar. He's what's your what's your website? You have a website or something? No, I don't have a website. Okay. I, people who are as successful as me don't need to have a website. I figured you don't have to go to that yeah. much trouble. No, and yeah, you're I, just using people <laughs> like me to get the word out. Anyway, look it up, David Kramer, Kramer with a K. Yeah. But David, tell us like what you've been doing the last couple of weeks. So you were in Europe and Nebraska. That's right. I I I've been. I had a show. I have a show up right now in Munich. It's called Kramerica, and uh, it's a show of paintings and installations and a video. And then I got to go to Lincoln, Nebraska, which is where I have a show up also right now. And um, and then, on uh, yeah, I have a show in Bushwick at the moment at Parlor. Parlor. So I mentioned that because we're sitting in Brooklyn. That's a group show. No, it's a, a good terrific sh- group it's show. Great, um, gallery. And uh, yeah, and I'm gonna g- I'm leaving for Paris on Sunday for. Uh, for a just to go to a party, really. That's uh, that's can, that's that's how I roll. That's can you believe? <laughs> no, David's gallerist is having the tenth anniversary, and so David actually kind of has to go. No, that's a. Uh, it's a, it's a it's you it's know a, thank God there's some socializing and free booze around this whole art <laughs> thing because otherwise what the fuck who would be doing this? Yeah, no, it's going to be fun. Uh, that gallery, Laurent Dan. I've been working with Laurent for. About five, six, or six of his ten years, and uh, he and told me he was having a ten-year reunion, and uh, he sold hundreds of thousands of dollars worth <laughs> of your paintings. It's true, isn't it, David? Maybe yeah. not at one time. <laughs> not but, my, yeah, but if you stretch has, it out. <laughs> no, no, he has sold like hundreds. Literally, David, David's paintings go for. I don't know, mid five figures, low five. Uh, well, a know. lot of money, a lot of money, more than yours, more than that fucking drawing in your refrigerator. Anyway, no, but I've David, done. David's we've done in pretty like, well. Yeah, David's in that. You know, he makes money. I mean, he makes. Yeah, he makes. Money. I'm he's, rolling. He's in had money he's right had, now. Even though, not, don't tell my landlord because not, I haven't paid not. the rent on my studio yet so, this month. So. so I thought this might be a really fun time <laughs> to. Um, a fun conversation because I thought, like David and I, when we get together, we uh, we talk about um, how anxious we are about our careers and that we're worried about our careers and we're worried about our work and whether our work is progressing. But and that's what our work is really about, right? I mean, I, I think you as well. So, your yeah. your paintings are very they're very all much about my insecurities. Your insecurities and mine are all about. My uh, every time I shoot myself in the foot, that's that's, that's the way I feel too. <laughs> exactly. Like I was at home, literally screaming out loud this morning. I was so nervous about like projects I'm working on, and um, but uh, the thing is, um, when I look at David from the outside, I'm like, he's like 
fuck? <laughs> Who wouldn't want that career? He's like literally flying all over the world, has like well, you're very really flattering. rich people buying his work. The work is great. That's the most important part. That's the only part. That and really uh, I'm supposed to say that. No, it's great work. <laughs> all of it. And, you know, like it's like he's got like a stellar career. Uh-huh. Um, but then when you sit down, I think that's partly why I like you so much, David. Because when you sit or down, I love you so much. Because when I sit down and talk about it, I complain like I'm really like, heavily. I'm like, I'm like, oh, it doesn't. Oh, he does. He like I identify with you. Yeah. You make me feel better because I think you're doing so great, and it's like you're just as miserable as I am. So. Well, it is a lot of. It's all smoke and mirrors, actually. The uh, the whole career so. is. Uh, well, you know, I mean, it's uh, it's been very interesting. I've been, uh, I have been, uh, I did have a great, like, op show in Munich right now, and it was really amazing to go to Munich to have a show and be, I've never shown in Germany, and to have the response was pretty incredible. But, you know, at the same time, yeah, I didn't, they, they have, sales are a whole other Ball, ball of wax and uh, so you know it's like you sit there and you say well I got all this positive uh, sales are like got a lot of, of press right? I got a lot of press closing you know but uh, it's been a it's, it's been a show's tough still go. up they're having another big party there. they're gonna have a big party and I unfortunately I'm gonna be in Paris instead of Munich I'm but so sorry. Uh, yeah <laughs> well if you had to choose you would definitely choose Paris I think over Munich but uh, that's uh, <laughs> a good choice to have <laughs> so so um David like you um, also have a wonderful, wonderful, brilliant, attractive, uh, supportive wife. Yes, I do. And fantastic mother. And fantastic mother. And who, an amazing... Who, who uh, is also like the... Uh, well, she's doing God's work over in Brooklyn right now. She's, the, uh, she's a public defender. And uh, so, you know, fortunately for us, she, you know has this job but her job is uh, the exact opposite of my glamorous life i get to go to a party in paris and she'll be at rikers island interviewing one of her clients <laughs> next week so yeah i mean so um and Dave, so it causes a lot of resentment sometimes <laughs> <laughs> it's got to but but the thing is is that um also um you 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 do you have Maybe part. Uh, what I'm trying to say is that you have financial responsibility, real financial responsibility, because you've actually proven that you can make a good amount of money. Like you said, well, you when it comes down to it, I mean, literally, uh, you know, I'm have this old-fashioned, very 1950s sexist view that I'm supposed to make more money than my wife. And, oh, you do? <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> Which I which I always you know f get to flaunt when I am and when I'm not then I have to you know sort of wow. cowtail around. <laughs> so it's actually see this is so interesting. I always thought that it was just like you know you wanted to make money and you wanted money, but now I'm f hearing that maybe it's a little bit of your male ma masculine pride. Sure. No, I mean. Wow, that's so cool. I wish more men had masculine <laughs> pride like that. Half of them that come in here would be happy to, or half the men I meet out in Bushwick would be happy to be having some woman pay the bills. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a really, uh, that wasn't really the deal for, uh, you know, that we both got into. I was, uh, I do, you know, and I, I, I like, uh, you know, I'm, right now, I mean, frankly, right now, it's been a, 
it's been a really tough year financially in a lot of ways. I, I get by, you know, with some things selling. And also I work at times uh, doing carpentry jobs and things like that because I just, it, you know, you, ha- you have to do things to – being an artist is not a, is a very – strange profession when it comes to money and you really have to not think about money when you're doing your work that's really the last thing you need to think about and but uh you know i but yeah i i think it's always like to me just uh, i get to feel very proud of myself when i'm making a lot of it so when sure I, so. It, yeah it feels good yeah it's been a while but <laughs> oh look how embarrassed he is that's a that's he's turning red look at this yeah um, so, David, are you embarrassed? Yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm bright red look right now. Look at this, look at yeah. this. This is so funny. <laughs> I'm very fidgety all of a sudden. <laughs> well, I think you're, you know, you're on the, you know, you're doing well. You're doing yeah. well. No, but I'm really, like, the, uh, the funny thing is that the, uh, content of the work that I make is always this work about, you know, desire for, like, this good life, this, and the subject matter is always about... That you know, particularly with the imagery that I yes. draw, that I draw from or call from, it's always about this good life kind of thing. And then I usually have text involved, and the text is always sort of about how I've stumbled on my way towards the brass ring, and that is really, you know, the backstory of of myself is really what these pieces are all about. Is that you know, and hey, I'm aspiring for what I expected. It would be like to be an artist, be an artist, or just a, a dude living in New York as a kid. You know, when I looked at magazines, this is what it was all supposed to look like. It doesn't look like that, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because a lot of the imagery is sort of adapted from a reminiscent of, like, kind of like car and cigarette advertising. From yeah, the 70s. I mean, as a kid in the seventies, uh, we, I, I was born in Manhattan. We moved to the Westchester. I moved to New Rochelle. I sat in the suburbs. My parents got all these magazines sent to us, and I would look at them all the time, and I would just look at the pictures of the advertisements for whiskey ads and stuff and think, man, when you get to be an adult, it's a lot more fun than the suburbs. I mean, this is... So, you know, it's like you move to the city. I moved to the city right as soon as I could, and when you moved to the city, you expected that your life would involve, like, this swanky apartment with a cool stereo and shag carpeting. (laughs) and And like, uh, you know, and the phone would ring and you'd have parties and all that. But, you know, really, it's like, uh, so uh, well, it never I, really looked like that. But, so. I, but I think that's only because you didn't buy the exact right brand of cigarettes and alcohol. That's right. Exactly. Because that's the promises they make you. That's exactly right. And I, it actually does work on a, on a child. <laughs> well, <laughs> as, as a child, that was what completely worked on me. And uh I haven't grown up very much since then, so I'm... Did you like that idea of, like, just being on your own and being, like, a dude? Yeah, I mean, you know, I had a lot of fun, uh, you know, uh, but, you know, I didn't come from a... I came from a family that was stable, and my father was... was a a lawyer, My dad was a lawyer, and my mother was... uh, had a job. She worked... she was a business... and, you know, worked for a corporation as... So they... we had some money as... we were a strongly middle-class family, but there wasn't, like... It wasn't like I ever came to New York and had someone pay my rent for me, you know. No, so, no, it sounds like So it was, was always very much a struggle to make a living, to learn how to make a living, to make a living. And then, you know, eventually I was able to make a living as an artist. And, uh, but I do really love, I do have this crazy work ethic. I like working. So now I sometimes, I mean, I, 
even if I I like the idea of having of going to do carpentry jobs and construction or I worked as a butcher for a while it was just interesting to work because it's also much more straightforward to get paid for the work you do and to to do work for a week and see that you've done something over a week and so in the studio it's a much more kind of endless drifting in a way and uh mm -hmm. you know it's so it's in so i like uh but i i don't know that didn't really answer your question about whether i like being fuck <laughs> that no but you know what it sounds like a lot of what you were interested in is get it sounds like maybe you were bored of the suburbs and you were interested oh my in god yeah a lot more, that's what you were looking for no excitement. i mean as a kid my parents both got up at i mean my father left for work before i woke up and he came home uh, soon, you know, right before I went to sleep, basically, and my mother would leave and come, and I would see her in the late e in the early evenings. And when, as soon as I was old enough, I was like, "Why did we move out of New York? Why I hate living in Westchester? Like, why don't we live in Manhattan? Like, that's where you go every day. Why do you get to go there and I'm stuck here?" So, as and a kid, now, <laughs> and now look at your and your wife is stuck in Manhattan. Yeah. No. Um, but so let's like what? How did you? But when you married, when you got married, you guys been married a long time. How long? I've uh, been married for about twenty-one years right now. Right. So let's say that's sort of the beginning of your adult life journey, or something you like could that. Say that. The journey you're on, right? The phase of the the leg of the journey you're on now. Yeah. Right. Right. So when you started that journey, um, you were. That sounds so corny. Um, it does. <laughs> journey, David. I'm so fucking. It's all corny. a journey. It's okay. uh, no, but anyway, you. Um, okay, so when you got married, did, were you like, let's just, were you, were you working in construction? What, what was the, what was the deal then? Well, it's very funny. It was uh, Susan. I, we, I, yeah, I was. Uh, well, here's the story. When I was, uh, when I was a very, you know, a young artist back, uh, I. I fell down an elevator shaft and uh, broke all my ribs, and it was like this horrible time for me. But after that ended, I, there was a lawsuit. I got a couple thousand dollars for mm -hmm. this lawsuit, so I had a little extra money. So I was for the first time in my life, really. So I, um, I went on this uh, trip with these friends of mine. We went to Brazil. We hung around for like uh, three weeks. And then I came back, and like the day I came back, I met Susan somewhere. And uh, at an opening, and uh, we just really, I hit it off with her in a way that was just so much fun. And then I had some money, so I bought it. She lived in Hawaii at the time, so I bought a ticket to go visit her in, in Hawaii, and we spent like a week and a half together. And then she, I went home, and then I uh, sent her, you know, this is well before internet, so we were just writing letters to each other, and I sent her a... Uh, a letter in the mail asking her if she wanted to get married. And she wow. called me and said yes. And so we met, and then I flew to Las Vegas, and then I was done with money after that. <laughs> I had spent everything, but we got married in Las Vegas. And we had known each other for maybe three months, but we had spent maybe six weeks together before we that's, got married. That's so, so crazy, right? So it you was totally crazy. You know how crazy that is. So, when we got, so she thought that I was like this jet-setting kind of guy who was going uh. everywhere, and then I ran out of money <laughs> right after that. <laughs> Well, you reeled her in. Yeah, I reeled her in, exactly. <laughs> no, did you guys, so you guys really, I mean, you, you're kidding, but you guys hadn't really worked out finances or talked about any of that practical We still shit. haven't had that conversation, so uh, well, thank, thank God. <laughs> so, 
But okay, so let's just say this: it, it you work it out as it goes. Yeah. You, know, you don't. You you haven't like uh, made rules. No, I mean, uh, see, neither of us. Uh, that's an ma- amazing thing about my relationship with her is that uh, we've rolled with everything from the time we met until having a kid. Seven, you know, we were married for seven years, and then we had a kid, and Martin's my son, and he's now fifteen, and. Yeah, we've basically just everything that comes up, we've t- been able to take care of. And, you know, yeah, at times I and I'm when by the time he goes to college, I'm going to have to figure out a way to make a lot more money. <laughs> <That'll> oh, <be. laughs> shit. No, but, you know, um, so that's we'll probably up, right? that's probably. But see, you know, you'll you'll work it out. Yeah. See, there's probably good negotiating. Yeah. Schools yeah. There, right. Yeah. No, I and mean, uh, things uh, are good. I mean, uh, that is like the be- the thing that I have uh, found. Did, wait, you said that things are good. Yeah. No, I know. It's <laughs> the curse. That? That's the curse. Kramer I shouldn't have said, said that. that. <laughs> I never should admit that. No. Yeah. But. Yeah, but, the, you know, the funny thing is that, uh, you know, uh, I when I work, when I was really in a period of my life where I was just doing, like, carpentry jobs to make a living, and I was not making any money as an artist at whatsoever, I used to find that if I would just say out loud, man, I could really use a job right now, someone would call and something would fall so out of the sky, so. and that, I mean, that's sort of, I you know, that does kind of draw a picture of what of how I roll now and how things roll. I mean, it come, there's it's it's difficult at times, but things work out, and you know it's been things I, do work out. And yeah. Susan, also, I mean, just so like people don't think that you know you married somebody who was like gung ho lawyer. I mean, Susan was a is a performer herself, right? Yeah. You, no, when we first uh, first. Uh, Seven years before my son was born, we were both actively performing all the time in theater groups and, uh, you know, these black box sort of variety mm-hmm. shows. She's very uh, talented. She's really great. And, you know, that's why she's a – that helps her a lot as a uh, – Lawyer. As a, as a defense lawyer being in front of people. She's very at ease with that, much more at ease than I am. I mean, you Probably. know, I'm sitting here fidgeting and turning red. Yeah, I keep trying to figure <laughs> out if you're comfortable or not. This is the thing about Kramer. <laughs> like, uh, Kramer and I have done a couple of things together, and it always he's, – he, he's actually – David, David, as I've told you, I mean, he's a much better actor than I am. Like, he's, <laughs> I don't know about He's that. great. <laughs> like, he, you're, 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 you're a been in movies and stuff like that. And when mm. you can do a script, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, like, kind of good off the cuff. Give me a script. Nah, I don't know. But, you know, or a character that – you know, whatever. David's like a real actor. Frankly. Well, no, I don't know, but I'm really like. Uh, but he gets so freaked <laughs> out. And you, but before he gets on stage, so to pull the curtain back, you know, for every anyone listening. Yes, yeah, so you I, asked me to do this an hour ago, and thank God you waited till now, <laughs> because otherwise I would have been up all night. Like, no, really? I'm going to be on the radio. <laughs> no, really? Yeah, totally. I'm like, really? uh, I see. I have uh, a hard time believing that because I look at you and I think, like, oh, you know, you're, you know, you always seem very like un, you know, comfortable. And yeah, so, that's but what then my, I, but my then I have seen you in that mode, like right before going on stage, and I'm like, who is this person? Why, like. Like My friends I in high school used to say, like, you're the most laid back, uptight guy I know. <laughs> that was sort of what, exactly. that was sort of what I, uh, that's exactly. sort of how it is. And that actually is, uh, has always worked very well for me as a, uh, you know, in any kind of real 
like serious sort of negotiations, I'm so laid back that the other person just thinks that. Like if someone tells me really good news or really bad news, I just don't respond. <laughs> and so it just, it's sort of like a very cool negotiating tool. So is that because you're, you're feeling, what do you feel when you don't respond? What's well, I, I mean, my mind is working, but I just have a very, uh, you know, you're, I you're just have to. let them know. I, it's not that I don't want to let them know. I'm just very, I guess I just have a thick skin. I don't know. It just takes a lot to, you know. For you to emote? For me to emote, yeah. I'm, ah, so it sounds like you and Susan are good at, like, you know. She tells me really good news or really bad news, and I don't respond. <laughs> yeah, and then she's a good actress, so, yeah. No. Does she get frustrated with you, or I bet you respond more around her? Yeah. No, no, we, we have a great – I'm sure she gets frustrated with me all the time. I, yeah. You know, I just, I'm sure she I just does never too. pay attention. So. I'm sure she does, too. But it rolls <laughs> off of you. Right. It's not that I'm really so cool under pressure. I'm just so distracted that I don't really pay attention to what's happening. That's, you know, it's my ADD is kicking in, so. So um, what was I going to say? There was something I was going to say, which was um, – what was I gonna, wait, wait, I had a thought. I really didn't. I lost it. Uh, and it's really great to do that on the air because yeah. when you do that, you really just fill up air and you're boring. Say um a lot. I think that helps. Um. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So what, what, this is what I was going to say. So, like, there must have been a transition from when you were working as a, you know, whatever, car, car, you do carpentry, construction, house painting. House yeah. painting. So was there there was there must have been a transition between that and doing um, selling your work, making money at well, know. ironically, uh, it, it was the opposite. Uh, at a certain point, I just said, you know, out loud, I am really going to have to if I want to get anywhere as an artist, I'm just going to have to be an artist in the studio all the time and just let the chips roll where they may. And then things literally began to fall into place after that. I mean, it was very much a, um, it was very much a skin of the teeth kind of, uh, kind of thing. But I just realized at some point, because I would do these, uh, you know, I, most of the work that I did in home improvements or building out galleries and all this kind of stuff was, you know, they would be like uh, three-week jobs, four-week jobs, they would, and I would be completely committed. And then I would finish the job and I'd have, some pile of money to live off of and I would be so like sort of exhausted and out of the routine of working all the time on my work that I realized it was becoming counterproductive even though money is such a necessary ingredient to sustaining a studio uh, I realized that it was being counterproductive for me to be able to uh, you know get anywhere with my career so I decided to do uh, and to just really pull back from doing the contracting kind of work that I was doing, the running the jobs I was doing. Simultaneously, people stopped calling me out of the blue. They just sort of ended, and the art stuff started to sort of fall into place. So it was really like kind of uh, synergy. It all just – so I didn't like suddenly make a lot of money selling art and says like, oh, I can quit my day job now. I quit my day job before I knew that my dream job was actually going to be uh, so a legitimate – reality but i didn't think it would be a reality until i committed to it a hundred percent which i felt like i was committed to it a hundred percent while i was working as a contractor and all that but you know after a while you realize that you're just not 
doing it 100%. So, yeah. So, I, so did, so, um, that was the transition. So, so, well, that's encouraging to hear, but quit your uh, day job, quit your day job. So it was really a leap of faith. It was a leap of faith. But I'm also guessing that, um, you might've had some sense that like your work was going well and people were responding to it. Yeah. I mean, like I said, like it was like things where I was getting more and more busy. I, you know, it's funny. I had a, uh, uh, I, I, I'd have to say that things are kind of uh, good for me now uh, with, like, opportunities to exhibit, exhibit my work and to, and to exhibit new work and old work. And it's, well, I, I'm pretty fluid with that. But uh, I had uh, my career really began, ironically, uh, I live in New York and I'm from New York. My career began in Canada. That's where I had most of my first shows were all in all along in Toronto. I had a gallery and I showed all over. And then now most of my career is really taking place in Europe. And it's only now it seems like New York is starting to build up again, like to where I'm starting to have more and more opportunities in New York. So, uh, you Do know. you think that, I mean, your work is so American, so, yeah. So there must be something about it that has like another yeah. layer in Europe. They have like more distance and they can look at it. Well, you know, like uh, I said uh, before about the imagery and the text, like my work has really uh, definitely been called and I a sense that it is this very American work on the surface. And then the text is really this sort of like uh, delusion, disillusionment with America or with, like, getting fulfillment of this uh, American dream and questioning whether this American dream really exists. And I do think that, uh, so there's a little bit of a distance that I have from it being American, but it has a lot of the bells and whistles of pop, American pop art, American popular culture. So, yeah, it's very popular in a sense outside of America where people are looking over the fence and trying to figure out what's going on in America. And... You know, like in Europe, uh, like in France, for example, where I have had a lot of uh, great opportunities. I mean, the French are really funny because they love America. They love American films. They love uh, American music. (laughs) Woody Allen, Jerry Lewis. But they don't love uh, American people. (laughs) They don't love, they have a lot of love and hate for America. And so my work, in a way, and it has these sort of nuggets of a love-hate relationship with America, and I think that it, it is easier, it is a, pal- a very palatable kind of message for an outsider looking in at America. So Yeah, um, I think, I thought what you were going to say is, like, I think that the timing for your work here also is probably, um, it seems like th- that's what America is, w- what we are coming to here. It's is perfect, because we're all disillusioned. <laughs> Yeah, except for except for the very very rich who are the ones that buy art. That's the only problem. Well, really <laughs> They're not disillusioned at all. <laughs> Save me an hors d'oeuvre. <laughs> I want to go to Europe. Yeah. Um, but what I'm thinking is that uh, what I'm thinking is that you know it's kind of funny because like what's happening in America now is that like we're sort of all like saying this this the American dream is bullshit, and and even being a, being an American doesn't mean what it used to, because right? mm-hmm. it used to be meaning, like... Yeah, I mean, look at our country. We're fucked up right now. The politics are so uh, fractured, and 
you know, the wealthy people are really, really getting more and more distant from uh, the rest of the nation, and uh, they're also steering the ship of where the nation's going and leaving behind, you know, Us. classes of people. Yeah, and 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 a lot, yeah, a lot of people, not just well, like we're, yeah, we're fucking. Freaking white. Right. <laughs> I can't complain. <laughs> we shouldn't complain. No, but they're leaving behind. A lot, a lot. A of lot people. of people. They're le- yeah, and so, you or know. Like what Donald Trump said, like, let don't let the Syrians in. Like, yes. <laughs> like, I'm like, what the fuck? Well, you know, you know Donald Trump is talking, somehow he talks about disillusionment in America, and even though he's grabbed half of it for himself, <laughs> and but uh, he's just sending a potent message, but... You know, it's it's so uh, it, uh, he. God help us if he becomes. Oh, even that won't <laughs> happen. That'll never happen. I mean, Hillary really made him look like he's a joke. No, he's a he is a uh, he is a blowhard joke, and you know. Also, I mean, well, I I mean, I can't say. Yeah, it. don't say it on the radio yeah. for God's sake. No, but I mean, I think that the way his business practices were, his treatment of. His own employees, women employees. I mean, this I can't say substantiate any of this, so I don't want to say it on the radio. But I mean, there's a lot of holes. You know, the the guy's filed for bankruptcy. He failed miserably and took down a lot of uh, Atlantic City. You know, his it's a lot of he has a lot of hubris and very little to back it up. Well, except he's you know managed to parlay his father's millions into billions of his own so yeah he's he's basically like he's all full of uh hyperbole i mean you can't but he has he's he's just like he's a totally invented person in that way yeah and he has no experience of what like actually like living on but he's totally invented but the thing that he's not has not invented was that he really came from uh, a you know well off very very well off uh, father who he took over the business a lot of kids take over their dad's business and they flush it down the toilet he turned it into a gold mine so you know but does that really but that's th- also the, that's not really the idea of coming from nothing which is sort no, of the, the first million they say the first million is the hardest to make right he already had that so and also the guy was pretty fucking lucky on timing if you own Manhattan real estate in like. 1970, 80, 90, you'd be a billion, you know. Yeah. If I bought on. any of the buildings that I looked at in the 90s, any of them, I'd be a millionaire right now. Let me ask you this, David. <laughs> do you ever feel like just maybe a little competitive with Donald Trump? Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> do you ever think like, you know, if my father had like got, gave me a studio or something yeah. like that, do you ever think like that? Sure, absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. No, I mean, I really do think that, like, uh, you know, I do think that he did take, uh, he did take all of this, uh, he was set up to succeed, and uh, I may have been set up to succeed, but, uh, you know, I, my, my father died when he was quite young, and, uh, and so did my mother, for that matter, so, you know, I never really had all of those, uh, you know, I had some advantages, because they had some money, and I was left with a little bit of money, but, you know, they you know, whatever that, yeah, that guy was like, he had a going concern that he just took over and ran with it. And, uh, that's great. I, I have to say this is radio free Brooklyn. Cause it's that time. So you're listening. I want everyone to know that you're listening to radio free Brooklyn, which is the best radio station in the Western hemisphere. And this is Dr. Lisa giving a shit with David Kramer as my guest. Um, so, um, you know, you know, um, there was something I was, I, uh, 
I am feeling like very that like part of what is going on is that we are talking about the feeling of success. Mm-hmm. And as a creative person, because I was like when we were talking, we, we brought we it talk, up. We talk. <laughs> you don't think so? No, I know. I mean, I don't. Uh, I. As you said, like, I actually said I was happy before, you know, like I, or whatever you had said, but the, the gist is that, uh, I, uh, yeah, I don't really sit here and ever think that I'm a success. No, I think you, I think you are really, see, I'm in a, like, I mean, I'm feeling like I'm, well, I'm really, really stressed out. That's the problem I'm having is Mm -hmm. that I'm having, this is what's going on. I'm having this huge transference and I'm having like... I've been having a meltdown for like two days about all the projects that I'm that don't make any money. Well, one of them makes some money, and I'm under like I'm afraid I'm gonna fucking fail. Mm-hmm. So it's so funny, like listening, like David, like right now I'm jealous of you. <laughs> That's nice. But at the same time, I think about like about a couple of months ago how horrible it was when you were. Remember how upset you were? I mean, I am. David, I'm telling you my feelings, but you know at the end of the day that I want you to do well and that I am your cheerleader. Yeah. Trust me with okay. that. Sure. Okay. So, but um, I'm just saying, like, I remember, it's just hard to remember, you know, how, we just have to appreciate how far we've come sometimes. Yeah, I, I know. I think what you're referring to is, uh, and again, this, you know, you, from our friendship, you know that, like, you know, I had I had, had a... Uh, you know, there's the thing that's so funny is like uh, a couple of months ago, I was sitting around and I really had nothing on my calendar uh, to, to speak of, and I was feeling pretty miserable. Like, but you know, as if everything that I had done for five or six years had just come to an end, and it had literally because I also, during that period of time, decided to. Uh, you know, really readdress a lot of things in my work and really push my work. So that's a very dark period of time to go through. And then here it is in this fall, I have, you know, I mean, I just told you about four or so shows that I'm in simultaneously. So it is like, uh, yeah, I'm sitting on a very different place than I was, but I'm still traumatized. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, but see, I'm remembering back to that liquid lunch. Uh And I remember like, I mean, I never lose faith in you. I really don't. But well, I remember you. I remember feeling like feeling your I remember feeling knowing the feeling ident- identifying with you. Um I know how that feels. Mm-hmm. Uh and um where you're worried where your work is going or if it's going anywhere or if it's ever going to go anywhere yeah. and you were in that place. Yeah. And I know how hard that's normal. I think I told you that it was yeah. normal, no, right? Yeah, sure. And it is normal. But uh, we all go through that, and I just remember how, like, man, you know, I know David's going to get out of this. I hope it happens sooner or later. So it's just really cool how full circle it is. And actually, for me, who I happen to be going through my own, the last couple of weeks I've got, like, a bunch of projects. One makes no money that's very important, and one that's not as... um, much of a push forward, but still exciting that would make money. So I've got these two at the same time that I'm trying to balance, and I don't have uh, the most stable ego a lot, mm-hmm. and so I've been freaking out, which is probably what made me think of 
calling you first to yeah. come in today ah. to help me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hang in there. You're doing great. <laughs> I think that uh, generally speaking, like, uh, you know, artists tend to have – I had a teacher in school who said that uh, at, at graduate school at Pratt Institute here, and he said – if you're a good artist, you have like if you're a lot of people have like one really good run in them, and if you're a really good artist, and that run could be like three years or a year, three years, maybe five years, and if you're a really good artist, you'll have uh, two really good runs in you that are those three, you know, three or four or five year runs, and if you're a great artist, well then you'll just keep you'll just keep having these different runs. But what which was a very strange thing to hear, but the thing that is interesting about that is I think that like yeah you go on a run you have a lot of shows and they lead to other shows or you they lead to other opportunities and then all of a sudden it just naturally comes to some kind of a halt for a while and uh, it takes a lot of inner strength to get go, that back to get up. that back up and I think that you will do that I have total faith in you thanks Doc. David I really do give a shit really? Dr. Lisa <laughs> You so are going to be you're going to be fine. You have uh you have that inner strength, but it is hard not to kick yourself while you're while you're down, at least for me. That well, I, right now I'm in the phase of like are, uh, the the worst phase is the phase where you're afraid you're never going to have another idea or a good idea or yeah. do another decent project. Right now I'm in the phase which has a certain which has its own certain pain or anxiety. I'm in a very anxious phase where I have to get things done and I have things I want to do and there are t there's timing on them. So that's that's actually a little bit better than the phase of like what the fuck is going to I mean it's right. Thinking, like, what am I going to do next is more relaxing, uh -huh. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you actually have things that, like, when you're getting ready for, for you, it's, uh, I mean, you're getting ready for a show, or you've been doing some films, and you're in production on a film, is a film going to come out the way you right. want it to, right? No, I mean, the, the hardest part is, uh, I mean, personally, the hardest part is, is after a show is over, the beginning of the next phase. The beginning's the hard part, like you're talking about. But... The part where you actually have deadlines and all is, like, some people don't like that. I love that. You know, I want deadlines. But I totally understand what you're saying. And I, it's, you know, it when you have those deadlines and you really have to make the right decisions, it's really hard. It, cause well, it depends also, like, on the deadlines. Like, if I had to make, like, 50 text paintings in a month, I think I'd be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm -hmm. But if I have to make, or like, you know, different sizes, like say 10 paintings, five different sizes each, that's mm -hmm. fine. But to like come up with like something I haven't done before. Yeah, well, that's really hard. You know, or like, is this new show going to work out? Right. You know, this new idea. I'm doing this new idea focus group mm -hmm. with like a funny focus group, something like that. I've never done it. How's that going to go? You know, you know what I mean? Because yeah. you don't know when you have no... Or when I started this radio, doing this radio station, I was really nervous. Sure. I'm still kind of nervous. Yeah. Well, you don't seem nervous. I don't? Oh, that's good. <laughs> You're very natural. No, but it's very funny. Like, I, um, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I decided uh, after doing this, uh, the last few shows, I've had some... In the last... I used to make a lot of films, and then I kind of stopped. And then this year... I made a film with a friend, and I ended up showing a couple of the film I made with him, and uh, 
an old film that I'd made in France at the Pompidou, which was like totally thrilling. So cool. So then I was like totally inspired to make another film. And then these people in Nebraska asked me to show one of my older films. It's like six years old. And yeah, the response was just so great to this film that I hadn't really taken a look at in a long time. And now all of a sudden I'm like, I'm going to make another film. Like this is like all I can think about. And I don't even know what form it's going to take i just know i'm going to make one and that is sort of like a really funny place to be because you can talk about it and get yourself all jazzed up and then all of a sudden it's like i gotta start working on this thing whatever this thing is i have no idea but i gotta figure it out and that is the thrilling part and that is like funny like even like sometimes like even susan will say to me you don't know anything about making a film why are you doing it? and then i would make a film and she's like you do know what you're doing <laughs> so I you know, know you it's been i have i mean um you know a few years ago i mean i've talked we've talked about this with you it's like you had that um huge screening at feigen and mm-hmm. it was packed and it had like three or four of your films and um I, it was your solo show there um yeah and um they had a screening night and I mean, the crowd was totally enthused. And, and I mean, I think Walter Robinson showed up, yeah. right? You were, like, really high-end people. There. I made a, yeah, I've made a lot of, you know, it's funny, but I, you know, I never, I never took a film class. I don't know anything about how to make, I don't even know how to edit. I just get people to help me. And, uh, you know, I've traded drawings for people to make music for soundtracks, you know, and i you know, you just uh, you just have to throw yourself into these kind of projects. And the thing I really don't understand more than anything are how some artists you can see their work over a uh, eight a ten year period, and the work doesn't change that much. My work kind of changes a lot because I'm just always trying to wrestle with something that's yeah. that I don't that I'm not so comfortable with. And anyway, I think right. it sounds to me like you're wrestling now yourself with something you're not completely comfortable with, but that doesn't mean you're not going to figure it out and make it work. So, you Thanks. know, hang yeah, in there. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to do what I can do. I, the thing I worry about is um, is getting in my own way. The mm-hmm. thing I worry about is getting really insecure and anxious and then, like, throwing wrenches in there or right. not so much alienating people but convincing people that they shouldn't have faith in me by accident. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, that's that. that's not good PR. <laughs> I think I'm a master at Make that. sure you don't, the person who's uh, sponsoring the project, make sure they don't feel like you're letting them know that, exactly. you, that they hired the wrong person. <laughs> exactly. And, um, I mean, I have gotten, at, see, and also, like, I'm, you know, when you work, like, doing that, like I did in advertising, you can't, people know you. You can't pretend that you're not anxious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like you can when you send a presentation out in an email. Like right. It doesn't matter if I'm anxious. I know I'm anxious. Just get the thing out, make it fine, and then like you, I have to deal with it, and everyone I come in contact with has to deal with it, but the client will be okay. I have had, you know, really f- bombed studio visits where I've had like a dealer come in and say to me, well, looking at my work and scratching their head, what exactly does a show of yours look like? Because the work is sort of all over the place between paintings and drawings and sculptures and videos. And I'll look back at that. I look back at this dealer and said, well, I really don't know. <laughs> I don't know until. You say that? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and I, I did not do a show with that person. So you don't do want to. Do you regret to. saying that? Well, it was, you know, my 
I mean, like I, I was I, just being honest and uh, and not very cagey. You know, I was being very direct. It, yeah, well, that didn't work out. It's not like I haven't had other shows to replace. Yeah, but the, would that you show. not do that again? Pro, you know, yeah. I mean, I think. <laughs> I mean, there's part of me that goes that that's a good idea because that takes the pressure right. off of you. And why bullshit? <laughs> and let if they like your work; they'll give you time. Right. Yeah, exactly. But on the other hand, you want the show, so you've got to manage. Well, it, right? you know, some people are very good at steamrolling their way into getting opportunities, and uh, you know, I'm. I do not, I'm not really a good steamroller like that. I, mm-hmm. I get opportunities because uh, people, I just make work I, and I bury myself in it and people like what I do and, uh, yeah. you know, and that's been, that's been the story. That of seems like the best. That, I love yeah. that. When, when I'm in, in that phase, mm-hmm. I'm super happy. When somebody actually gives me a green light, yeah. that's when I freak out. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, right. Does, does that happen to you? Well, I mean, no, uh, no because you're also really good at making things. Well, you know, like for example, and like a, you have more. You have more. I worry that I don't have that. I don't like. I can't stay up all night. I don't have that. Yeah, anymore. no, I don't. I don't. I don't. I do that sometimes, but uh, I. I have. Um, yeah, you know, like I have a meeting. Well, I'm in France. I'm gonna have a meeting with someone who wants to do a show in Belgium. So we have a discussion to discuss, and you know, he's gonna. Ask me, you know, all I really want from him is a date. Like, I don't want to tell him what I'm going to do or what it's going to be like. Uh, really? And, you know, and uh, if he's waiting for me to pitch him a show, it's it's not going to be a very good pitch. See, that's really good for me to hear because if I was in that sh- that situation, also, you know, being an art director, mm-hmm. former art director, I would, like, my instinct is to have that put a pressure on myself, have the, every minutia of it worked out, costs, how right. it's going to get there. You're much smarter, but I don't, I never come up with the elevator no, pitch. That's but the problem. I don't, but I don't know if that's helping me. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you go there and you, he knows your work, he knows what you're capable of, yeah. and then he agrees to it, he'll be happy and surprised when he gets what he gets, right? Yeah, that's how, uh, I mean, that that's how I roll, you know, that's how I, that's how I've rolled this far into my career. And I think that takes more confidence. Uh Yeah. I mean, like, I think that the, uh, I don't know, I think that the guys who have the elevator pitch have a lot of confidence. I just don't, I just am not that strategic, you know, in that regard. I'm not, uh, I don't really, I'm not that strategic. And that is something I perhaps uh, wish I was, but... uh, you know, it's just at this point in my life, it just it's not going to suddenly emerge. My no, you know, no. Um, you know. Well, it just you know, it's just. I've had a pretty. I mean, like you, you know, it I've works. Had, I've, it's been working, and without, it works for you. Yeah, it yeah. works. So, yeah, and so, I follow these hunches. Like now, I feel like oh, I got to make this film project, which I could give you my elevator pitch right now for what that project's going to be, but it's. Uh, but I'll tell you what it is. I'm going to make uh, reenact. A lot of really embarrassing moments in my life. Oh, that sounds terrific! <laughs> Building props, the whole thing. Try to re like from memory, I like love that really idea. embarrassing, like things things I've said in conversation that I wish I could take back. I'm going to just reconstruct these things and film them. That's oh, that's that my, sounds really that's really my project. Great. So that's my elevator pitch. <laughs> so. That sounds great. I'll give you. Why don't we do? Why don't we have a Kickstarter for that? We'll, we'll pitch it on the radio. I would like that, yeah. That but, sounds exciting. That's my next. But that's a really cool idea. That's my next. I'm just going to, like, that things idea. that have, like, stayed with me for really long periods of time, 
uh, that I can't stop getting those stories out of my head that I really regret. I'm going to reenact them like as best as I can. I think that's with fantastic. Scripts and other people, and you know the whole. That's the people that you actually went through the. No, no, no. There'll be actors playing those other people's parts. Oh, that's so great. That sounds like a great idea. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah. So do you want to um, have a meta, do you want to like have a, uh, should, should I tell you, should we talk about what this conversation was about? Yeah. Okay. What's, what's, what's your motivation? <laughs> let, let, do you want me to tell you what I, what I think we talked about? Yeah. Or, or, or what I think happened here? What has happened here? Okay. So anyway, this is, this was sort of something I've been thinking about that you, you reiterated today when you came in. Why don't I do a psychoanalysis of the whole thing? So anyway, so it's interesting experience. I think that you and I um, have some of the same issues. So we are seeing both sides of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I'm in a really vulnerable place right now. And you are in a, um, you know, in a really great place. Um and I'm having a hard time being objective about it because I'm probably being a little intimidated by how great you're doing and how <laughs> shitty I'm doing. And you have a radio show. I don't. <laughs> you're doing pretty good. <laughs> but, but I know. So that's, that's my first instinct. That's my counter-transference. Uh-huh. But um, I, I think that um, I'm getting a – like. I think that you're in a place right now where you can sort of reflect back on how you have gotten to where you are based on your instincts and your instincts are good. And then when you look at your family, your family is really stable and stuff like that. And there are things that are bothering you that aren't perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, But all things being equal, I think that you had a lot of growth in the past month or so, a lot of really positive growth, having the... um, come to fruition of the show in uh, Germany and the show in Nebraska. And um, it's great. I'm getting some reflection of that. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? Sure. No, I mean, this has been like a, I, you know, it's nice to be here talking with you because, you know, it's been, it's, it's given me an opportunity to sort of talk out loud and reflect and even talk out loud and pitch my next project you know it's Mm -hmm. very good but uh yeah it's uh my complaints about what's going on right now are practical matters of things money money but uh the reality is that yeah i mean like i've really uh i feel like the kinds of responses that i've gotten to my work has just like been really like a little bit uh mind-blowing in a way to hear such positive feedback about things from the audiences that are seeing them and that you know as an artist uh, you don't really tend to hear applause ever because it's not like being an actor where the show ends and people stand up and start hooting and hollering you don't get that well but, yeah you know but i have gotten some of that from these shows really people have, in the press in the press That's and the even at the head. at the uh, openings people have sure. come up and, and really just uh you know really responded in a way that is just like uh, it's kind of Mind, you know, mind-blowing. So, yeah, it makes me feel very confident right now and very gr- – I have grown a lot because it's like, wow, this is – it's it's effective. It's working. And like I said, six months ago, I was in a totally different place. You know that because we're, we have this 
friendship and you know but uh i also really readdressed my work in a really serious way and it's just amazing that that's starting to really show its fruit right now so yeah and hearing about that film is really exciting like you have something else on top of that like it's not just like you have something to look for like you can get past that but you know what i'm also thinking about i'm thinking about um our old dead friend annie heron uh, yeah. one quote has always stuck with me annie heron annie heron for those of you who don't know is um was a great curator and gallerist who yeah. passed away at age 50 of cancer uh but a very important part of the Williamsburg scene in the 90s, I guess. Yeah, in the Lower East Side as well in yeah. the 80s. She ran semaphore galleries. She yeah, was... I didn't know her, you know, mm-hmm. in those days. But No, um, I know her from Brooklyn. You know her a lot longer yeah, than I do. Yeah, from Brooklyn, from Williamsburg. Yeah, but anyway, she always says showing your work, and I say this to young artists, showing your work will change your work. Uh-huh. So I think there is... She's right. Yeah, and um, I think that that never ends. No. And I think, like, as visual artists, it's really hard because when you, like, hang up your show or they hang up your show, the gallery hangs up your show, whatever. Like, even when I went to Miami, that was the biggest show I ever had, I think, last uh-huh. that was year great. ago. I saw that. That was great. Thanks. But anyway, I mean, basically, the work got shipped there. I saw it hung up for a couple of hours and then maybe went back here or there, but you're, you're not like, that's your work and you're not there with it. You're not no. having any experience of it. You're not. I mean, that's really been the funniest thing about my, uh, career. Cause most of the shows I've done, as I said, uh, I mean, I've done a lot of shows in New York, but a lot of the work I've done has been out of town and it's really funny to hang a show, go to the opening and then basically the next morning get on a plane and leave and uh, never see that work ever again. <laughs> yeah, and just, if it gets sold, forget, <laughs> forget it. Forget it, right. And it's then you have the gallerists never tell you where it's going, right? No, not. I mean, sometimes they, they give you a name, but, you know, yeah. that doesn't really mean yeah. that much. Yeah, you know? like you don't know. But it's a very strange thing, and I did, like I said, like so I, the responses that I was getting in uh, from people while I was uh, in town and these shows was just... Uh, just really, really heartwarming, and uh, that was uh, quite remarkable. I'm so glad that I, get, that I got you to come in today because uh-huh. it's so gr- it's so inspiring. I'm like so energized by hearing about all this. I genuinely, I really, I really am. In spite of my countertransference, I am nine neurosis. <laughs> I mean, today is like the hardest day. All the deadlines that I have. Um, so, uh, and I don't need to fucking apologize, Lisa. Stop up. Fucking apologize for yourself. You're fucking great. Just shut the fuck up. Here, here. You're doing great. <laughs> uh, bleh. So uh, we're going to have to wrap it up. And, um, yeah, so we learned a lot there. And I also wanted to point out, you know, uh, these, you know, comedians and performers, and I do some of that myself, uh, it's so different because you're you are making contact with the audience the entire time. Your work is is you are feeling the response of your work in the moment. I mean, you, maybe you forget about the next day and it's ethereal. You don't really have uh, anything to show for it. Maybe a video that you don't want that I hate watching. My, I never watch myself. <laughs> But anyway, so it's, it's 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 interesting. You know, the whole creative thing is 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 ha- hard and fabulous. 
Well, it's always nice, you know, to sit here and talk about your paintings and drawings to an audience that can't see them. So. <laughs> well, we're going to post them. When oh, they good. go to Radio Free Brooklyn, they're going to see them. And I posted your video on oh, my you Facebook oh, page. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so they go can't my, see them. Go to my Facebook page Scratch and that. look at Kramer's video. It's really funny. It's the one he showed in Nebraska. Uh-huh. And you can find him on... Uh, Google, Google David Kramer. Yeah. With that's capital K R A M E R. All right, so we're going to wrap it up here. I'm watching the clock count down. Thank you, Lisa. And.